BakerBots LLP provides podcasts for educational purposes only. They are not legal advice. This communication may constitute attorney advertising. Happy New Year, listeners, and welcome to the Environmental Evolutions Podcast, where we explore the changing landscape of environmental law and policy. We are going to do something a little different in this episode. In celebration of 2023, I grabbed a cross-section of my environmental safety incident response partners from a variety of offices and asked them one important question. What issue or issues is on their mind for 2023. And as a bonus, I also asked them to give me one fun fact about them. So you as listeners can learn a little bit more about the amazing people that I am lucky enough to work with every day here at BakerBox. So let's get started. Kicking us off today is Martha Thompson. Martha, what are you watching for in 2023? I'm keeping an eye on two big developments that impact power companies in particular. So First, EPA just sent a new proposed rule related to the Upland Limitation Guidelines, or ELGs, over to OMB for review, so we may see this rule released in first quarter 2023. This proposed rule has the potential to significantly impact how power companies manage and handle different effluent streams in compliance with the Clean Water Act. The second big development is that 2022 was a big year for EPA on coal combustion residuals, also known as CCR or coal ash. For the first time, we saw EPA take a lot of new positions on what compliance with the federal CCR regulations means. And EPA also issued their first two CCR-specific enforcement orders. So I expect to see more enforcement and implementation by EPA in 2023, along with further amendments and additions to the federal CCR regulations. So bottom line is there's a lot of moving pieces to keep an eye on. Well, thanks for that, Martha. And fun fact for listeners, Martha has 17 different types of plants in her office. Thanks for having me, Megan. Up next from our DC office, we are joined by Jeff Wood. Our fun fact about Jeff is that he has met Prince William and Prince Harry and bonded over wildlife trafficking. So a very pop culture moment here on our Environmental Evolutions podcast. Jeff, what are you watching for in 2023? Well, hi, Megan. Thanks for having me on. I'm watching energy infrastructure and environmental reviews. I think a lot of your listeners will know that NEPA requires federal agencies to assess the environmental impacts of major federal actions, including agency approvals of major infrastructure projects. And this is crucial for the energy industry nationwide. This year, CEQ issued the phase one NEPA rule, which expanded the scope of agency reviews to include indirect effects and cumulative effects, returning to the approaches that existed before the Trump administration. And they also expanded the breadth of the purpose and need statement. And that's the critical starting point for NEPA reviews. And looking ahead to 2023, we all expect CEQ to propose a phase two NEPA rule to further reverse Trump era NEPA changes. And I think some of the key questions we're, we're really looking at are, you know, What will Congress do about this? A lot of focus has been on Senator Manchin and his efforts that have not yet resulted in meaningful legislative reforms to infrastructure permitting. And then also, um, what will the court say about these NEPA changes? 
So all that together creates some additional levels of concern and risk about how NEPA reviews will be handled going forward. And really, can the administration's clean energy goals that largely hinge on the ability of the private sector to reliably and efficiently deploy new energy infrastructure, whether those goals can be achieved with the current regime in place. So that's something I'm watching really closely. I know a lot of your listeners are probably concerned about it, too. Very interesting, Jeff. You managed to wrap in all three branches of government there. Thanks for joining me today, Jeff. Thank you, Megan. Glad to be here. Sex is frequent podcast guest, partner Alan Stunn from our Washington, D.C. office. As a recent empty nester, Alex and Spun Back is that she's adopted two rescue dogs that essentially she treats as her children. She may or may not have recently purchased dog sweaters. I will not fess up to that, Megan. Neither confirm nor deny. Well, <laughs> thank you for joining us today, Alex. Oh, it's great to be here. It's a new year and there's something on the horizon. Of course. Well, speaking of which, what are you watching for in 2023? Well, I'm watching for EPA to really start taking some critical actions in the environmental justice space. As we've talked on the podcast, the past two years have been almost like a great big holiday meal setting the table. As we're coming off the holidays, you know, EPA has spent the first two years of the administration putting in place things that will guide us, setting that table, giving us how to consider civil rights and permitting, how to consider environmental justice issues and permitting, a 25-page frequently asked questions document, and just at the end of 2022, a specific document on addressing environmental justice and air permitting, which has caught everyone's attention. These documents, Megan, are pushing the envelope into areas that we've talked about for a long time. But I think in 2023, we're going to see examples of what EPA means when they talk about a cumulative impact in that assessment. And I think we're going to see an example of what it looks like when EPA finds that a permit because of cumulative impacts should not be issued. That would certainly be a notable development, Alex. Well, it would be because what we hear from companies is that they understand the permitting process. They meet their regulatory requirements and they put in their permit applications with all of their data and modeling. But now there's this specter above all of the regulatory work, which is what about your neighbors? What about the total burden on the community? And even if your permit meets all the requirements, these documents are making a pretty strong statement that there could be reasons that your permit would maybe have different conditions added to it. EPA has gone as far as suggesting restrictions to operating hours, rerouting traffic around neighborhoods, things that we don't always think about in the air permitting context or in the water permitting context really about how companies interface with the community is going to be a front and center discussion around permit negotiations in 2023. Well, thank you for flagging him. Certainly, that's a lot to watch for. Happy New Year, Alex. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Megan, I'm so glad to be here with you. Let's uh, buckle our seatbelts. Joining me next from the great state of California and our San Francisco office, it's partner Matthew Baker head of our privacy and cybersecurity group, and fun fact, was a gymnast in his youth. Thank you for joining us, Matt. I'm so happy to be here, Megan. 
and happy new year. Happy new year to you. And speaking of, what are you watching for in 2023? Cybersecurity is coming for critical infrastructure. And I'm watching three things. So the first was a federal bill, first of its kind, signed by the Biden administration in 2022. And we're looking at rulemaking that CISA, which is the federal agency that oversees cybersecurity and security more generally for our nation's infrastructure, start to develop rules in connection with this federal bill. And those will all center around cyber incident reporting for critical infrastructure, very broad, going to cover oil and gas, it's going to cover water, wastewater, energy, power, generation, and transmission, you name it. The second is TSA's involvement in cybersecurity for our transportation industries. And that's going to include rail and pipeline. Pipeline is going to be probably the most important one we want to watch. Since the Colonial Pipeline attack in May of 21, TSA has issued some cybersecurity directives that impose various obligations on critical pipeline owners and operators. Now, these directives were issued pursuant to their emergency security powers. And now they're looking to do some more advanced rulemaking to have some more permanent cybersecurity rules and obligations. And these will center on not just cyber incident reporting and information sharing, but also cyber resiliency. And the hope here is that TSA is going to craft rules that adjust and are more flexible and organic to fit different types of industries and companies in the way in which they operate. So the final thing we're looking at is the SEC's proposed cybersecurity incident reporting and resiliency disclosure rules. The SEC promulgated these proposed rules at the beginning of 2022, opened them up for the comment period throughout the summer of 22, and then reopened them in the fall of 2022. And we are expecting final rules to go into effect in 23. These rules will cover, among other things, material incidences that happen to SEC registrants, as well as disclosures in proxies or annuals relating to an organization's cybersecurity resiliency. And really what that means is the types of processes, programs, and safeguards that they have in place to protect the organization and its assets. Well, that's certainly a lot of activity for one year, Matt. Thank you for flagging. Absolutely. We'll be watching it closely. Up next is Paulina Williams. Fun fact about Paulina, before practicing law, she was an architect. She's a partner in our environmental group in Austin, where she serves as the section head. Thank you for joining us today, Paulina. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So, Paulina, what issue are you watching for 2023? So I'm watching developments in Clean Water Act jurisdiction. So the touchstone of Federal Clean Water Act jurisdiction is the term navigable waters, which is defined as waters of the United States. And that term has been part of a saga of multiple decades involving numerous Supreme Court opinions, numerous rulemakings, and their related litigations. And the latest of that is playing out right now. So a pending Supreme Court case, Sackett versus EPA, could yet again attempt to interpret the statutory boundaries of the extent of federal authority over discharges to aquatic features. I think in the end, it will mostly affect the line drawing as it relates 
to wetlands and ephemeral streams and headwaters, the waters that were more at the edge of what was jurisdictional under various iterations of this saga over the decades. And so that case is fully briefed and had oral argument in October, and we're waiting to see what they're going to say. But in the meantime, the agencies, EPA and the Army Corps of Engineers, have gone ahead and finalized yet another rulemaking. And that rule purports to be sort of a codification or a way of articulating the pre-2015 legal regime, but incorporating into the regulatory language the details of the prior Supreme Court opinions. One of the things I'll be watching while we're waiting to see what the Supreme Court does and how that could change the course of Clean Water Act jurisdiction is actually to see how this rule becomes implemented. And is it really sort of a stay the course very undramatic change from where we were pre-2015? Or is that implementation empowering a broader set of subtle changes? So it continues to be something that is active and ongoing, and we will see developments and changes as we continue into 2023. So that is what I am watching these days. So what I'm hearing is lots to watch in multiple arenas. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. My next guest is joining us from Washington, D.C. I have with us Josh Lee, whose fun fact is that in elementary school, he competed for best teeth. Josh, before we get started, I'm going to need a few more details on that one. Pleasure. So when I was living in Korea for elementary school, there's an annual kind of public health dentist checkup. And the dentist comes to the elementary school, they check everyone's teeth, make sure that no one has cavities, and if they do, they refer them to an actual dentist appointment, etc. But to kind of make this event a little bit more fun, the dentist also nominates the student with the best teeth. And that person competes within their school. And what happened was I cleared kind of the school competition round. And then even at the county level, and eventually I was competing for best teeth in Seoul. Okay, Josh, you may win the award for the podcast, but most interesting facts, so we'll see. <laughs> but moving on to the point in the podcast, what issue are you watching for 2023? The issue that I'm watching this year are the 200 coalition lawsuits that the organization filed against the California government. The background story is a coalition of community leaders and minority advocates. The organization name is the 200. They have recently sued the California government, challenging a couple of their climate change policies. And basically, the argument is that the California government's policies, while possibly well-intentioned, will raise housing prices and gas prices, which will disproportionately affect the poor and racial minorities. So I really love environmental law because it influences so many issues that our society faces. And I think this case is a really good example of how environmental interests intersect with socioeconomic justice, sometimes complementary, sometimes conflicting. And I would just love to see how this all plays out. Thank you for flagging that for listeners, Josh. And thank you for joining us today. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Megan. Joining us next from the Austin office is Francesca Ike. Francesca's fun fact is that she was in Scotland recently when Queen Elizabeth passed. 
Thanks for joining us today, Francesca. Thanks for having me, Megan. Okay, Francesca, what are you watching for 2023? I think we're keeping our eyes out on the California Restaurant Association v. Sydney Berkeley case. This started all the way back in 2019. In July of 2019, the city of Berkeley enacted the first municipal gas ban. So they banned natural gas infrastructure in newly constructed buildings. Later that year, the California Restaurant Association, which represents, as its name implies, a lot of restaurants that use gas stoves for cooking, filed a complaint in federal district court. They had both state and federal preemption claims, but the one we're really watching is how the Ninth Circuit will interpret the EFCA preemption claim. It'll be interesting to see how that impacts future challenges with other gas and ordinances that have proliferated across California, but also across the United States and other states where other circuits control. Thank you, Francesca. We'll keep our eyes on it. Sounds good. Thank you. Up next is Day Robin, who recently joined our San Francisco office, and we're thrilled to have her. Her fun fact is that while in college, she played soccer in Uruguay. Thanks for joining us today, Day. Thanks for having me, Megan. Okay, today, what are you watching for 2023? I'm watching developments in crypto mining regulation. One is the denial of the Greenwich Facilities Permit in New York. It was a Title V permit, which was timely filed. It was the renewal of that permit, and it's for a gas power plant, which was primarily powering crypto mining. And that surprised a lot of people because it was denied for reasons where related to New York's climate change laws. A second interesting development that stands out is the White House released a report last year talking a lot about crypto mining's energy impact and calling for new regulations of crypto mining. And this could be significant looking ahead for the industry because of its need for reliable energy. Wow, Dave, that sounds interesting. Yes, definitely. Next from the Austin office is partner Aileen Hooks. A fun fact about Aileen is that she's currently a member of over 12 different wine clubs. Yeah, well, then after 12, you just stop counting. But I'll also tell you that about half of those wine clubs are, in fact, in the state of Texas, where there is surprisingly good wine. You learn something new every day. But getting back to the podcast, what are you watching for 2023, Aileen? 2023, I am continuing to watch development in the CCUS and hydrogen space. It should be a big year for both. As of September 2022, the Global CCS Institute reported that there were nearly 200 projects globally in the CCS facilities pipeline, with the total capacity in development being 244 million tons per annum of carbon dioxide, which is an increase of 44% over the past 12 months. And new projects continue to be announced every day, with a significant portion of the activity being in the United States. So with this continued high level of activity, it's going to be built upon by a continued push by both the public and the private sector towards at-scale deployment of the projects, including, um, you know, continued build-out of the state and federal regulatory frameworks with regulations or guidance anticipated at the federal level from BSE, BLM, and CEQ, billions of dollars of DOE funding enabled by the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act 
and continued development of the CCUS project market, which is still in its infancy. There will also continue to be headwinds, however, posed by groups who are opposed to CCUS that will need to be managed through stakeholder outreach, community education initiatives, and inevitably administrative and judicial proceedings. Well, it sounds like all eyes will be on CCS. Thanks for joining us, Aileen. Thank you, Megan. Next is partner Josh Frank joining us from the Washington, D.C. office. A fun fact about Josh, he once fell into a koi pond while taking a photograph on vacation in China. Thanks for joining us, Josh. Happy to be here, Megan. Okay, Josh, what are you watching for 2023? So what I'm watching is PFAS consumer products litigation. So just backing up a little bit, earlier last year, we talked about a spate of litigation brought against manufacturers of consumer products that were alleged to contain PFAS. The claims made in the litigation have been class actions focused on marketing of the products, alleging that consumers would not have bought the products if they knew that they contained PFAS. So generally, those cases seek disgorgement of the profits made on those products. And the litigation is focused on language used in the marketing, terms like safe, clean, sustainable, things like that. And then the legal claims include deceptive marketing, breach of implied warranties, negligent misrepresentation, unjust enrichment, and others. And so we did see those cases brought in 2022 against Burt's Bees, CoverGirl, L'Oreal, McDonald's, Burger King, Thanks, Nick Swear, and late in the year, REI, and some others. Sometimes the PFAS is alleged to be in the products themselves, and sometimes in the packaging. So in 2023, those cases are going to work their way through the court system. There are a lot of motions to dismiss filed that are pending right now. And some have been stayed because they're going to settle. So we'll get some insights about how those cases are going to proceed. But mostly we can expect that there will be many more such cases brought. So 2023 promises to be an active year for PFAS litigation. So stay tuned. Very interesting. Thanks, Josh. You're welcome, Megan. Joining us next from the great state of Texas and our Houston office is the firm-wide head of our Environmental Safety and Incident Response Group, partner Scott Janelle. Fun fact about Scott is he's the only environmental lawyer in the country to have intercepted a Peyton Manning pass, which he ran back for a touchdown. And I feel like there's probably more to that story. In full disclosure, and to be fair, Megan, it was in fifth grade, but still it counts. It was the pinnacle of my athletic accomplishments throughout my life. So I'm pretty proud of it. Well, I guess that's a good transition to talk about things that are post fifth grade, which brings us to the point of today's podcast. What are you watching for in 2023? Really a massive uptick in EPA enforcement on matters relating to the upstream oil and gas industry and then matters affecting really all industries relating to the risk management program, RMP. You know, the level of enforcement, a number of cases, the types of cases that are being brought and a wide ranging review of matters relating to the oil and gas industry it is unprecedented, more than we've ever seen at any point in the past going as far back as the 23 years that I've been practicing. So seeing that and then also seeing it combined both for upstream oil and gas, and then for others of our clients, seeing the way in which the Biden administration really has lived up to its promises of folding concepts of environmental justice into enforcement. For those of us who have been doing this for a while, the first discussions of EJ were all the way back to the Clinton administration. 
And year in and year out, we've heard various administrations say they're going to do things in terms of EJ. I think the Biden administration really has. So it's that massive expansion, I would say, of the scope and breadth of uh, enforcement, as well as changes in the approach, centering it on EJ, that we've certainly seen in spades in 2022 and expect to see more of it in 2023. All right. I just heard lots of challenges as being your theme for the year. So (laughs) thank you, Scott, for joining us today and Happy New Year. Glad to be here. Happy New Year, Megan. Joining us now is Tiffany Chung. Fun fact about Tiffany is that she is originally from Hawaii, but now is in our New York office where she experiences very different winters. Thanks for joining us today, Tiffany. Thank you for having me, Megan. Tiffany, what are you watching for in 2023? Well, Megan, one of the recent wildlife developments that I have been watching it's the creation of general permit programs under the Bald and Golden Eagle Protection Act and also the Migratory Bird and Treaty Act. And under both of those programs, it would authorize limited take of birds associated with certain activities, such as transmission lines, which presents risk of bird electrocution. Now, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has done a lot of work in these areas the past two years, and we are expecting more work um, from the agency this coming year. Well, it sounds like this has been quite a lengthy process to me. That's definitely right, Megan. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, they have done some work in this area throughout the prior administrations, but there's been more of a flurry of activity in light of the Biden administration's agenda to increase renewable energy development in the coming years. There you have it, everyone. 2023 is shaping up to be a big year for environmental law and policy. And I look forward to having the opportunity to cover these developments here on the podcast. If there's any issue that's on your mind for the coming year, Please, and I really do mean this, please email me at megan.burge at bakerbots.com. Spelling available in the show notes. You never know. We might just cover it in a future podcast. I'm Megan Burge. Thank you for spending time with me. Thank you for listening to this BakerBots podcast. For more information on BakerBots practices, please visit us at bakerbots.com. For over 180 years, through 13 offices in nine countries, BakerBots has the experience, knowledge, and people to solve our clients' most significant legal issues. This presentation is provided by BakerBots LLP for educational and informational purposes only. It is not legal advice. Under the rules of certain jurisdictions, this communication may constitute attorney advertising.